Phone messages from pro wrestler Chris Benoit to his wife and son in the days leading up to their murder-suicide. The messages from Benoit himself, family members and friends give new insight to what happened before and after the wrestling star killed his wife and young son and then himself in their Fayette County home last June. Channel 2's Tom Regan has been reviewing those phone messages which until now have not been released to the public. He joins us from the newsroom with what he found. Tom? You know, Javita, months ago we filed a freedom of information request for these phone messages. It's taken this long to get them, but we finally did. They convey the uncertainty and concern of friends and relatives, and the voice of the wrestler himself. The endearing message from a father to his wife and son. One of many telephone messages, some disturbing, that investigators found in Chris Benoit's Fayette County home following the murder-suicide last June. Dan from the office, just trying to get in touch with you. It is Sunday evening, um, I think about 7 o'clock, so we're hoping everything is okay. So if you can call me on my cell phone. One message came from Benoit's seven-year-old son, Daniel, apparently directed to his father, but it's not clear when the message was left. Hi, Paul, Dan. We'll be back soon, okay? Since there was no suicide note, we may never know why the wrestling star murdered his family. It happened over a weekend last June when Benoit was supposed to be out of town for a wrestling match. On Sunday night, a concerned colleague calls. Hey Chris, it's Ann from the office, just trying to reach out to you. Um, give us a call when you have a chance. The next day, another worrisome call from a friend or relative. Hi, Nancy. It's Marty in Canada. Just phoning to see if everything's okay, because we've heard terrible reports on the radio. So just calling to confirm. So hopefully we can talk to you soon. Bye. Well, Nancy Benoit's father also left a message after learning of the killings, pleading for any police officers in the house to call him. Her family intends to sue the WWE for responsibility in the wrestler's actions. Benoit's father claims his rampage was a result of brain damage in the ring. Live from the newsroom, Tom Regan, Channel 2 Action News. We are finally here, part three of The Complete Tragedy of Chris Benoit, a podcast series brought to you by Pro Wrestling Proverbs. Uh, but as always, before we start, a warning, especially for this episode, uh, that this podcast will depict in vivid detail the murders of Nancy and Daniel and the suicide of Chris Benoit. You may find these descriptions disturbing. At 8.30 Saturday morning, Chris left Holly a message. Was Daniel supposed to be at horse camp today? If so, he couldn't make it because he was sick. When Holly picked up the message in the afternoon, she remarked to her husband that it was strange. Nancy, of course, knew the camp was on weekday mornings. And with Chris's somewhat antisocial ways, it was uncharacteristic for him to initiate a conversation. Daniel and Nancy are dead at this point. At 3.01 p.m., Holly called Chris back. They talked for nine minutes. Chris asked if anyone in her family had been sick. He said he was asking because Daniel had been up all night with food poisoning. 
Chris felt bad he could do nothing for him. Nancy also had food poisoning, but just a touch, not as bad. Chris said he personally was fine, and Nancy and Daniel wanted to lay low for a few days and recover. Chris sounded very calm. Later, Holly would realize Chris had been discouraging her from calling or visiting Nancy, with whom she talked to a lot. A young wrestler named Michael Parker, who had just been released after a tryout with WWE, had left Chris a message on his cell, apparently about office politics. At 1.57 p.m., Chris left a return voice message, which Parker would preserve and share with investigators. Many of Chris's words sound slurred. He acknowledged, I'm talking shit. I don't know what the details are off the top of my head. It sounds like you got shafted over, and that really fucking sucks. Nothing's better than experience, and you've got that. Hope you're doing well. I've missed you the last couple weeks. Wanted to point that out. When you can, give me a call. Hey, Parker. This has been a long time. It's about uh, five to two in the afternoon. Um, so I'm bullshit with you, man. Find out what happened. Uh, I heard, I was talking to one of the production crews, uh, crew guys on the uh, flight home into Atlanta. He said, you, you kind of got shafted over, and that really fucking sucks. Um, but, you know, if there's anything I can do at all, man, Please give me a call and let me know. And um, you know, fuck, man. You know, nothing. Ex- nothing changes experience. Like nothing could be better than experience. And you got that. It's like, uh, I, you know, I'm just talking about. I'm talking shit right now. I don't know what, what the details are off the top of my head, but hope all's well with you, man. And uh, just missed you the last couple of weeks. Wonder where you're at. I hope you're doing well. Uh, if you can, when you get the chance, give me a call. Take care, man. Hope all's well. Bye. At 3.49 Saturday, Chris on his desktop computer did a, did a Google search for Elijah. One of the links there was for information about the prophet Elijah on wikipedia.com. And Chris went to that page at 4.02 p.m. The New Testament book of Kings, chapter 17, tells the story of Elijah being sent to a widow. The son of the widow dies, and Elijah takes the child from his mother and stretches him out on stretch, stretch, stretches him out three times on his own bed. Elijah pleads with God to restore the boy's soul to his body. Yahoo listened to the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he was revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down to the chamber to the chamber of the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, Behold, your son lives. Now I know that you are a man of God, that the word of Yahoo in your mouth is truth. Later, the Benoit family pastor, George Gillard, would theorize that at that moment, Chris might have been praying to God to return life to his family. Another theory dovetails with Dillard's to surmise, that, surmise further, Daniel was not yet dead at that point, but Chris proceeded to kill him upon realizing that Nancy would not be revived and that the boy would be orphaned. Just kind of like, uh, that was really interesting to me. Uh, especially since if we theorize that he's not dead at that point, mm-hmm. uh, you realize, oh, I can't magically bring somebody back to life after I kill them. And my son's going to live probably a better life in a foster home. I should probably just murder yeah. him too. You know why he probably thought he could do that? Why? Because you know what they say. Anything is possible in the WWE. <laughs> what the fuck? 
fuck up. <laughs> oh my god. We're only five minutes into this. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So, he seemed to have either some sort of regret or something. Something compelled him to go on to, uh, to Google.com and he, he, pro- he probably learned that from uh, from Eddie because Eddie made him, made him uh, become spiritual. Yeah. That's how I right. said that story before. That is, it's probably fear. Yeah. Like, I mean, you either killed your wife and son or you just killed your wife. Like you said, his son's going to be orphaned. Or... He's going to go to... Chris is going to go to prison. And this is going to be such a high-profile thing. I mean... If his body was deteriorating and he's already kind of a small man... He'd probably get his ass kicked in prison. (laughs) Like, oh, you're a woman killer. Oh, you're a kid killer. He's, he's, he's still pretty buff. He might have held his own in there. We'll never, we'll never, we'll never know. We'll never know. Saturday the 23rd, Chris Benoit had missed his appearance at a wrestling show in Beaumont, Texas. Following the day in an evening of conflicting messages and conversations with concerned fellow wrestlers in the WWE front office. These conversations were surely after the murder of Nancy, which most likely took place on Friday night. And at least some, and probably all of them, succeeded the murder of Daniel, which most likely took place early Saturday. Chris's basic cover story that day that he was pinned down at home in Georgia, where he said Nancy and Daniel had food poisoning and were vomiting blood, just like he told uh, Holly. Chris promised his colleagues and bosses that he would get his wife and son cared for and join the WWE Texas tour with dispatch. But but Benoit did not turn up in Houston either late that night or the next day, Sunday the 24th. You say vomiting blood? And he's just what he said. He said that they were vomiting blood. <sighs> like, food poisoning is like a, uh, a decent lie. But I mean, if you're, if you're vomiting blood and you're not like rushing them to the hospital, right. <laughs> there's an issue and already. He, he was very he obviously is. trying to like come up with something that sounds like plausible for him to come back and find them dead. Quote unquote. Like I couldn't even imagine like the the friend or the colleague that when he's like, Yeah, they got food poisoning, they're vomiting blood and they're just like, Oh, okay, hope they're right. <laughs> and it's not vomiting blood, Chris. That's more the food poisoning buckle. Yeah. You want, me, you, want me, you want me to come over? No. It's just blood. He, yeah, he... This is violent. Like that's, that's always the big symptom. Like, they're like, oh, man, yeah, you could have this, this, and this, but if you vomit blood, <laughs> go to the hospital now. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't take him to the hospital, obviously. Uh. I mean... <laughs> again, could you imagine? Hey, uh, they were vomiting blood, and now... I gotta go wrestle. Yeah, the dead. I'm gonna wrestle. Don't look too much into this. I'm gonna be champion. Don't look into this. Imagine, imagine if you went. 
Like he showed up on Sunday. <laughs> One. Cheers, and then the next night on Raw, Vincenzo come out, and instead of, you know, of it, Chris Benoit tribute show, it's he says it a day early, whatever. Talk about Chris Benoit again. Uh, we also cannot talk about ECW again. Uh, <laughs> sorry about this. I, I, because we can't even mention him again. I uh, I imagine they just they just ignore it, right? Like he goes to prison and like. <laughs> On Tuesday, they're like, "All right, we're holding another tournament <laughs> to crown the ECW champion again." Uh, CM Punk and Elijah Burke. Let's just get after it, <laughs> and like just pretend nothing ever happened. And then, uh, maybe he'd be prison. like, maybe he'd be like the first Nick Gage. Did wait for him to get out of prison. <laughs> like if he doesn't go to prison for life, he just gets out. Now. It's it's Georgia. You think of the death penalty in Georgia? Uh... Maybe. In the early morning hours of Sunday, more than 16 hours before the first bell of vengeance, Chris had sent a series of text messages from his and Nancy's cell phones to the cell phones of two colleagues, wrestler Chavo Guerrero and referee Scott Armstrong. The messages contain two repeated and cryptic snippets of information. My physical address is 130 Green Meadow Lane, Fayetteville, Georgia, 30215. And the dogs are in the enclosed pool area. Garage side door is open. Then while I was saying farewell and giving directions to the scene of the carnage, that that meeting would become crystal clear with only 2020 hindsight. From inside his home, with the dead bodies of his wife and later his son nearby, WWE star Chris Benoit communicated at least a dozen times with co-workers. Details of phone conversations, voicemails, and text messages were released by World Wrestling Entertainment. Around 3.30 Saturday afternoon, Benoit told a co-worker by phone that he overslept and would be late to that night's WWE event in Beaumont, Texas. The co-worker, who the WWE did not name, said Benoit stated, I love you, and sounded groggy. Minutes later, another phone conversation. Benoit's story changed. Now, he said his wife and son were sick with food poisoning. Around 4.30, another co-worker called Benoit to check in. The wrestler said his wife was throwing up blood. But by this time, authorities say, Nancy Benoit was dead, strangled by her husband some 24 hours earlier. There were three more phone calls between Benoit and WWE's talent relations department company says a representative told the wrestler to skip the Beaumont event and catch up with the tour in Houston on Sunday. About nine hours later, just before 4 a.m. on Sunday morning, Benoit sent a series of text messages to the same co-workers he spoke with by phone. Four of the messages listed only Benoit's home address. A fifth read, the dogs are in the enclosed pool area, garage side door is open. Co-workers tried to reach Benoit throughout the day on Sunday. On Monday, they alerted WWE officials who called the Fayette County Sheriff's Office. Jason Bronis, the Associated Press, Atlanta. So Travel and Scott Armstrong get that text Sunday morning, like 3 a.m. Trying to do the math here. Avengers would start at 7, 12. Uh-huh. 
whatever. This is like, a, it's what I mean. I, I said this on the first or second episode. There's something off about Chavo and how he reacted to everything. Like, not only his uncle, but this. Like, do you, does he love the industry that much? It, it's, it's the fucking culture that they've made it's all about the boys they're protecting the boys i have to protect my boy right like oh if he's in trouble i gotta protect him from the boss and from john lauren itis and vince you know i can't i can't have him get in trouble he's gotta figure it out so i'm not gonna say nothing but in reality he should have fucking said something i get scott armstrong doing that to an extent and the reason is he, he he his dad used to run a territory you know, his sibling, plus he, uh, I know that, well, yeah, Chavo's dad never ran a territory. His grandpa did. So you'd think that Chavo would, especially since his uncle passed, he'd have the hindsight to be like, huh, something's off. I don't know. There's just always been something odd about Chavo to me with the interviews, how he reacted. It's... Man, uh, this guy who was best friends with my uncle, who after died, uh, went to a emotional spiral uh, for the past two years, along with physically abusing his wife, uh, is now sending me weird texts in the middle of the night. Yeah. I, and, and I, know, I should probably I just keep this to say, myself. That's what I should do. Yep. I know people say, oh, man, you know, the trauma. Kind of like I, like I mentioned where it's, oh, you know, he's just numb to it. But, I mean, on the flip side, just that someone like Kevin Von Erich whose younger brother passed away when he was like five or six. Next brother died of either suicide or his stomach imploding, depending on the source. Next brother killed himself. Next brother got toxic shock syndrome and killed himself. Next brother killed himself. And you can tell in his interviews when he talks about it, he knows they've done bad things. And he's just, he's numb to the world. Yeah. But Chavo, when he talks about it, you don't get, like, that sympathy or remorse, you know? It's, it's just like he's just telling a tale. There's something there. That's a, that's somebody who needs to write a, a book. Maybe he did both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Took out Eddie and Chris. He wanted to be the top Guerrero, and even then, he couldn't outlast Mysterio. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking watch your back, Ray. I guess. Yeah, no doubt. And you know someone else, before you continue, okay. you never really hear from in this? Like, you hear from Belenko, you hear from Jericho. You never really hear anything from Perry Saturn. Ooh, yeah. And he is he's the fourth radical. Let's see. I'll do. A, I'll see if he said anything about it while you're talking. He, he traveled with Eddie and Chris from ECW because he was. I think he was in ECW a little longer because he's a part of the oh Jesus Eliminators with John Cronus. Um, he went to WCW with them. He had pretty intense rivalries with Benoit. He obviously came to WWE with them. Like you, it's one of those things. And I think you've mentioned it. I don't know if it was in this series or what, but where Chris Jericho has mentioned that it's weird to him that he's never mentioned in like that group of friends. Uh, so like, yeah. so like, is Saturn like should Jericho replace Saturn? 
or like you you never hear from the guy. Apparently, I can't. Get I mean, I know he's got issues now. Oh, he um. <laughs> For my quick Google search, he did one interview with John Pollock of okay. the Law Live Audio Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2012. Oh, wow. Um, let me see what he said. Um, on the Chris Benoit murders. I spent so much time with Chris, so many days, months, all that time. Never seen even Chris mad. Mm-hmm. It just, <laughs> that's a fucking lie right there. Uh, it just blows my mind. I've seen Chris and his boy praying before matches. I have no idea what happened. On the road, we go out, and Chris would go out partying with me. That seems like a lie, too. Everything else I've heard, Chris is like the most antisocial person ever. Yeah, from everything I've read, Chris, this is going to be a stretch comparison here, but if the if you compare the Radicals and the Click, Chris was like the Triple H. Always training, didn't really party, but he would be the one that would have to help the others when they were fucked up. <laughs> You, this next sentence, you know this fucking interview is full of shit. This is, this is what he says next. Uh, Chris would always tell me that he'll party this and that, but he doesn't cheat on Nancy. Chris was a faithful uh, husband. Uh, right, see, part, two, part two, we said uh, him and uh, Michelle McCool. Well, the, and the issue too here is I don't know when everything happened, but I know Perry Saturn does have brain issues, brain damage, something. <laughs> okay. So, I mean... But it's just odd to me that he's so close to everyone. I mean, I know we said we ought to hear from William Regal. And it seems like, it almost seems like Regal was told, you know, don't say, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That kind of shit. Right. But Saturn, I don't know, I can't think of anyone else. I'm going through my head of other people that were with those two for that long. Like, obviously, Malenko, Mysterio. Uh, go to WCW again. Malenko, Saturn, Jericho. I mean, Raven was with them for a long time, but I also know that Raven is one of like the most straight shooters. Uh, it's, just, it's just always been weird to me. Oh, you don't hear a lot from Saturn, but then at the same time, you don't really hear that he was a member of the Radicals. No, like they'll show him in the crowd, but then they're like Chris, Dean, and Eddie. He must have done something to. I know he pissed off Vince because he like he he went to a shoot on a jobber, and then that's when they saddled him with the Moppy gimmick, and then Vince got pissed off because Moppy got over, and then he went to TNA with a bunch of ECW guys, and then he kind of fell off the earth. <laughs> I mean. Interestingly enough, bringing him up, his partner John Cronus, as I said, he was one of those close friends of Benoit that died in like the, the mid 2000s. Because it was him, Grunge, Rocco Rock, Benoit, Mike Awesome, Bigelow, and there's like one more, and it was all like ECW guys. Weird. It made me sad because that's when I was like learning about ECW, because you know, TV show was on. So I'm like, oh, this guy seems interesting. Dead. Dead, 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 dead. Every, everybody <laughs> on this fucking program is dead. <laughs> and they all died. Early, but, uh, 
horrible. You're welcome for the shout out Saturn. I know most people don't bring you up. Hey, we're here um, for you. You want to come on? You want to come on and talk about Chris? I, I got some questions for you. Well, say for I'll those listening, we've mentioned PW profiles. Saturn will be a PW profile because he definitely did more than Moppy. <clears throat> uh, Moppy might have done more than Perry Saturn, though. But <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. Does Paris have Twitter? I might. I would send him a DM. I. Oh, you. You. You continue. I'll. I'll see. <laughs> let's. Let's get him for an interview. We need to have him shoot on Chris. We need to know. And the rest of the radicals. Maybe. Maybe he hates them. He's like, you know, what? fuck. Fuck Jericho. Fuck Malenko. Fuck I was saying Malenko. Malenko. Everyone did well for themselves except Perry. <clears throat> All right. On Sunday night. Sunday night. WWE staged vengeance. Night of Champions. The original script for Vengeance called for Chris to win his match and with it, the championship. With Chris's no-show, the match lineup had to be scrambled. The live crowd of 15,000 plus at Toyota Center and the pay-per-view audience were told that Benoit had been detained by a family emergency. Uh, He would be replaced by John Morrison. Yeah, it, I think that was shortly before he was actually Morrison. It was still Johnny Nitro. Yeah, Nitro, 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 yeah. Which, from perspective from back then, it was just crazy to me. Um, Benoit was obviously Benoit. We talked about it in like the prelude. Fantastic wrestler. Typically always near the main event, top of the card. CM Punk. At the at WWE, even if you didn't know him from the indies, he was making his way up. He was the fresh face of ECW. Right. And for Johnny Nitro to get thrown in, you know, the guy that was just a part of Eminem, like a, a good tag team for the time, but I look at Eminem like Deuce and Domino or Cade uh, and Murdoch, where they were good, but I don't look at him as anything fancy. And I mean, Morrison obviously went on to do more, but it was just, it was odd that they didn't have it be like Elijah Burke or, I don't know if there was any at the time, but any of the ECW originals that were left, or maybe just shuffle the shows around and have another veteran be on ECW. Yeah, just, or even just, just fill in and have Punk still win, or not win. Yeah. He didn't win. Like Morrison won. No, he didn't win. Uh, yeah, because that's when the ECW title had some odd... I believe it went from Nitro to Punk to Chavo to Kane. I know Lashley won a couple months, too, at that December to this member, right? That was when he won it. That was before that. Oh, that was before. Because the reason they did the tournament is because he vacated. He got drafted. It was weird. The draft happened. He represented ECW. He won his match. Benoit then came to ECW. They had a stare down. Like, they were making it seem like they were going to fight. And that would have been a great match, too. And then Lashley got drafted to Raw. And then that's, I remember watching the draft with my dad, and my dad's like, oh, they're probably going to have Benoit beat Lashley, and they can have the match. You know, but then Shane McMahon's like, oh, you're not on ECW no more, bub. That's our title. After months of having Lashley try and win the title back for McMahon. 
before we move on, okay. I uh, apparently, apparently there's people arguing on our TikTok here. Oh, about uh, Kevin Sullivan killing them. It didn't happen. We'll get to that later. I have a section later. I'll keep this aside. This is some guy. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to Why it. Why <laughs> ruin Kevin Sullivan's life? Right? Even even joking about it. We'll get to it. I have a whole uh, conspiracy theory section come up here. We'll get there. Save it. <laughs> but before we go on, though, I know we talked about it a little bit. Do you think... Because I'm sure Benoit doing this caused ECW to have the downfall that it did. Like, at that time. Because you figured he was going to have the title. Um, and no disrespect to Morrison or Punk at the time. But Benoit probably could have had a match with anyone. Yeah. Like, they could have they could have brought back random ECW legends, had him fight with them, and it would have been good. You couldn't really do that with those two at the time. Do you think this would have extended... Not necessarily ECW, but that era of ECW where it was still reminiscent of the old school. Because once maybe Punk, or once Benoit died, killed himself. That's when it kind of transformed into a full fledged WWE ECW. Because uh, Ben Benoit, they could have still said, "Oh, he's an original." It it probably would have prolonged it. And you, yeah. you would probably be a Lancers better than I would because, uh, like I've said, like this was kind of time where like I kind of checked out. Um, but I feel like ECW was already on the decline anyway. Right. Like a lot of the quote-unquote originals were like injured, on drugs, fired, whatever, dead, washed up. Um, so they couldn't really pull from too many of them that are still – like talented and relevant and can put on matches. Um, but with definitely with the death uh, and like the whole tragedy with Chris, uh, definitely accelerated it. I feel like it, it might have stayed around for another couple of years, maybe. I, but yeah, I feel I like really think... I feel like once I feel like they're already starting at that time. They were kind of like maybe we should make it like a de- developmental. Yeah, but so like I've said before, they had a lot of veterans and developmental guys. And, I mean, this roster could have been stacked. I mean, Benoit, Regal, eventually Goldust comes into the fold within a couple of years. Matt Hardy, Christian, Mark Henry, Kane, Kofi Kingston, Sheamus, Punk, Morrison, Chavo, uh, Ryder, and Hawkins appeared on there quite a bit. Like, it, it, would have been a, it would have been a good little show. I mean, I know a lot of those guys still appeared, but at that point, ECW is just an hour kind of spot filler. I'm just, I, I'm, I've always been intrigued if Benoit would have not committed everything that he did if it would have kept more eyes glued on the product and if they would have been able to do more with it. But again, instead, we got Johnny Nitro. And the slow downfall of ECW. Uh, and we're all the better for it. Yeah. So our listeners would have heard uh, this 911 call uh, at the very beginning of part one. 
Hi, uh, I just spoke to one of the other officers there. My name is Dennis Fig, and I'm a retired detective in New York City. I run the security for World Wrestling, and one of our wrestlers that lives down there is missing, and he told me to just to say we need a welfare check done. Okay, what's the address? Uh, 130 Green Meadow Lane. The zip code is 30215. All right, Dennis, what's your last name? Fagan, F-A-G-A-N. And what's his name? Uh, Chris Benoit. It's spelled B-E-N-O-I-T. Okay, and he's a, a wrestler? Yes, he's, what happened, he's a very religious gentleman, and yesterday he was supposed to show up at a pay-per-view and never got on the plane, never showed up. They tried to reach his wife, Nancy. She doesn't answer. They tried to call his house. It's, unlo it's, it's out of character for him. So at uh, 3 o'clock this morning, there was a message left for one of the other wrestlers, and basically it says, uh, uh, the dogs are in the backyard, the back door is open, goodbye. And that was it. Uh, from WWE security man Dennis Fagan. Uh, his first contact with 911 had come nearly two hours after his company, Andrews International, made the apparent final WWE-generated call to the Benoit home at 11 a.m. A little more than an hour later, Fagan called someone in the sheriff's office who advised him that the way to proceed was to ask 911 for a welfare check. The summons to law enforcement marked the beginning of the end of a drama that stretched across more than 60 hours. It's nope. crazy because you don't. I don't really remember hearing about it until Sunday night, maybe Monday morning. Like even anything about Benoit not being there, like you said, oh, family emergency. But I mean, now I feel like, I, and maybe it's because of the Benoit tragedy. But I feel like if that would have happened now, we would have instantly, like within a couple hours, Figured known. It out. Yeah. At 1.35, Deputy Donna Mundy and Lieutenant Larry Alden had pulled up to the front of Benoit's property in unincorporated Fayetteville, Georgia, in response to a call 19 minutes earlier made by earlier to the county 911 communications center. The cops faced an electronically locked double iron gate separating a stacked stone wall from the circular driveway which was set off nearly 200 feet from the main road. Money tried to call the box outside the gate. No answer. The officers noted that the fence on either side of the gate could easily be scaled, but the more significant obstacle, obstacle to access was the presence of two German Shepherd guard dogs roaming the front lawn near the gate and menacing anyone who might dare to traverse it. Deputy Money had a 911 dispatcher, Chris Nations, what a name. <laughs> that's, a, that's a wrestler if I've ever heard of one. Yeah. 911 dispatcher Chris Nations asked a World Wrestling Entertainment security consultant uh, if anyone knew the gate passcode and how to pacify the dogs. Fagan had made the original emergency call. Uh, after checking in with other people, he reported back that while he had couldn't come up with the passcode, he didn't learn that a neighbor to the left of the Benoit's house took care of the dogs whenever the family was away. That would be Holly Shepfer. Uh, the officers found Holly at her home for going with the officers to the Benoit's gate. Holly, trod, Holly tried calling Nancy to no answer. That has been a case for days. And around 2.30 p.m., Holly climbed over the gate 
I'm going to retrieve the dogs. Carney and High Spot. <laughs> Holly ushered the German shepherds through the unlocked door on the side of the garage leading into the house. The door led up to a short flight of stairs to a mud room where the dogs kept where the dogs were kept in their portable kennies. Holly locked up Carney and High Spot. It was a warm, early summer afternoon in North Georgia. Temperature in the low 80s Fahrenheit. The central air conditioning system in the Benoit house was off, which made the odor hanging in the air, powerful but indistinct, more stagnant and intense. Nancy, Daniel, Holly called out before ascending two flights of stairs to go into Daniel's bedroom. The decor was dominated by posters and action figures of his wrestling father. On the dresser lay two toy replica championship belts. Holly found little Daniel in a long sleeve blue SpongeBob t-shirt and pajama pants with soccer and baseball design. Lying in bed on his stomach, his left cheek on the pillow cover, uh, his left cheek on the pillow overturned down covers. Next to him were two stuffed Winnie the Poohs and a book. My first Bible, a child's edition of the New Testament, propped atop his right extended hand. His right leg was bent, with the foot touching his left knee. And as Holly got closer, she could see that Daniel wasn't just sleeping. His face was discolored. Dried up foam was crusted around his mouth and nose. Holly ran down one of the flights of stairs into a home office that was decorated with wrestling memorabilia, photos, plaques, and a WrestleMania baseball hat. That's where Holly found Nancy, lying on her right side on the hardwood floor with a red throat rug covering her body. Only her head and her feet were showing. A pillow leaned against a messy head of brunette hair. Another Bible, a regular adult edition with a burgundy cover, lay alongside her. Nancy was in a white tank top and blue striped pajama bottoms. Her hands were tied together behind her back at shoulder level with a coaxial cable. A second cable, along with a small white rope, extended from there and wrapped around her neck. Her feet were bound with the cord from an electric charger, secured by black tape. Nancy's face was blue and black, her stomach bloated, her arms already in an advanced state of decomposition. Holly ran outside to the officers. Daniel and Nancy have been murdered. They've killed the family. The officers head inside and find both bodies. Then they search the remainder of the house before making it to the basement, Chris Benoit's home gym. At 2.48, worried about the officers, Holly calls 911 from her cell phone. They asked me to hop the fence because they have attack dogs. I went in and someone had the little boy and the mom are dead. So I ran out to scream to them, but then they went into the house. They haven't came out yet. Are they okay? I didn't see Mr. Benoit. I don't know where he is. I didn't go down in the basement for some reason. He might be dead. The dispatcher assured Holly that they were okay. They were in the basement where Chris was indeed also dead. They found him sitting upright on a bench facing a Magnum Fitness weight machine. He was shirtless, wearing red gym shorts and socks and sneakers. His left leg was extended, his right leg bent at the knee, foot tucked under his left thigh. The black nylon weight machine cable was around his neck. 
A strip of a white towel was underneath the was underneath to keep the table from cutting the skin. Chris was being held in a sitting position by the cable, which passed through the pulleys attached to 150 pounds of weight. The weight stack on the weight machine had been supplemented by two 40-pound dumbbells on top. The weight was lifted and kept from going slack by Benoit's own 220 pounds of weight, plus two additional 10-pound dumbbells, which appeared to have dropped from his grip to the floor. Clearly, he had put much thought and discipline into hanging himself in near-perfect equipoise, not only to ensure the successful hanging, but also to maximize the pain he must have intended to inflict on himself in the process. When the dumbbells had dropped, his body rotated, rotated right, just over the spot on the floor where two cell phones, his and Nancy's, rested next to a water bottle filled with green tea. Also on the floor was an empty bottle of Dynamite Vineyards 2004 Merlot. Merlot, sorry. Uh, after inspection, there was no sign of forced entry. Good evening. Tonight, this arena here in Corpus Christi, Texas, was to have been filled to capacity with enthusiastic WWE fans. Tonight's storyline was to have been the alleged demise of my character, Mr. McMahon. However, in reality, WWE superstar Chris Benoit, his wife Nancy, and their son, Daniel, are dead. Their bodies were discovered this afternoon in their new suburban Atlanta home. The authorities are undergoing an investigation. We here in the WWE can only offer our condolences to the extended family of Chris Benoit. And the only other thing we can do at this moment is tonight pay tribute to Chris Benoit. We'll offer you some of the most memorable moments in Chris's professional life. And you'll hear tonight comments from his peers, those here, his fellow performers, those here who loved Chris and admired him so much. So tonight will be a three-hour tribute to one of the greatest WWE superstars of all time. Tonight will be a tribute to Chris Benoit. I know ever since the killings, wrestling fans across the world tried to cover up what Benoit did by coming up with ludicrous conspiracy theories based seemingly out of thin air. So that's why we're going to take this time to go over these conspiracy theories now. The first one, which I alluded to earlier, uh, by people arguing into our, our TikTok comments section, uh, was that Kevin Sullivan did it. Now, I'll read to you what uh, this, uh, this guy said. His name is Darren. Darren said, Let me know when you bring up Kevin Sullivan and his ex-wife Nancy, who ran to Chris Benoit's arm to get away from Kevin. That was at, that was on April 23rd. He commented that. <laughs> I replied to him that day. We covered it all. Don't worry. We got it. You know, wasn't being wasn't being too mean to him. But uh, somebody responded to him. Uh, Alan, 
Alan said. Sullivan did not kill him. Benoit did. If there's any evidence of Kevin doing this, he would have been interrogated by the police. So you don't... So then Darren replied, So you don't think it's funny that Sullivan abused Nancy? So she ran to Benoit and Sullivan be okay with that? There's not a motive there? You really think that because she left him for Benoit that he would go and kill all three after ten years? That's ridiculous. And that's essentially what I uh, concluded too. Uh, Kevin Sullivan, uh, the man who booked his own divorce from part one, Nancy's ex-husband, WCW Booker, uh, there's zero evidence of him being there that weekend, and he doesn't really have any motive. Uh, the burden of proof will be on you, the, the believer, the listener, if you believe that Kevin Sullivan did it. And according to David Benoit, Chris's living son, his older son, uh, he's already been investigated by police, uh, and nothing came from it. And obviously, if the police cannot find anything, and are and to put him in Peachtree City that weekend, there's no, no real uh, evidence there. The divorce and the affair was ten years prior to that point, and also Kevin Sullivan remarried in 2006 to a girl named Samantha Connor, uh, whom they have a son together with now, and they are in the Florida Keys. Not only that, but I feel like if he had that much resentment toward him, that he probably wouldn't have booked Chris so good after everything. Right. Like, why, why are you going to book this guy to be so good and then 10 years later be like, you know what? That was a mistake. So I'm thinking I'm gonna think we crop this and then I'm going to uh TikTok you're allowed to do video replies to comments. Okay. So I think we're gonna put that for him so he can uh be listening because you know he's just talking shit online. He's not gonna actually listen to this probably. Uh the second big conspiracy theory, and I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember the Wikipedia article that came out? Yeah. The Wikipedia edit? That's kinda of, it's kind yep. of a, it's kind of a big sticking point. A lot of them, a lot of uh, like somebody, somebody in Stanford knew, and they, for some reason, wanted to be the first person to edit a open public source Wikipedia page. Right. Uh, so the Wikipedia article. It's a just a bad case of coincidence. I know. Oh, it's always a coincidence. Always a coincidence. Uh, late in the night of Sunday, June twenty fourth, two thousand seven. An anonymous poster logged onto the Wikipedia from a computer with the internet protocol, the IP address, of 69.120.11.23 via a Cablevision's optimum online service provider. The wiki page of the biography of Chris Benoit had already been edited at 10 p.m. Eastern Time to note Chris Benoit has replaced by Johnny Nitro for the ECW Championship match at Vengeance. Because Benoit was not there due to personal issues. A minute past midnight on Monday, Eastern Time, poster from that IP address, added to the end, stemming from the death of his wife, Nancy. Remember, Wikipedia is a free source that anyone can edit. And according to WikiNews, a Wikipedia affiliate, the Benoit edit made by IP address 69.120.11.23, was reversed just under one hour later with the admin's comment, not a reliable source, 
saying his wife died is a pretty big statement. We need to back that up with something. The Wiki News report continued. Then just one hour after the first edit reversion, another anonymous edit made by 125.63.148.173 using Australia, that's an Australian uh, internet provider, uh, was made about the aforementioned personal issues, which according to several pro wrestling websites is attributed to the passing of Benoit's wife, Nancy. That edit too was quickly reverted with the comment, saying several pro wrestling websites are still not reviable. One of the many online wrestling forums buzzing with Benoit's news and gossip was one called Smart Marks. Uh-huh. At 11.18 Monday night, Jonathan Barber, a Smart Mark poster, claimed credit for being the first person to trace the IP address of 69.120.11.23. And notice that the Wikipedia edit had come from a Stanford, Connecticut uh, home. Which is the headquarters of WWE. Of course. The next day, the Wikimedia Foundation's volunteer coordinator, Carrie Basque, notified the Georgia authorities. Basque said someone put the pieces together and realized that a comment was made by someone who apparently knew about the murders. On Thursday, major news outlets broke the story of how the police were working on a mystery of an explosively curious Benoit edit on Wikipedia. That night, at 12.26 a.m. Eastern Eastern Time on Friday, uh, 69.120.11.23 confessed in another anonymous post on the talk page of WikiNews. <clears throat> hey, everyone. I am here to talk about the Wikipedia comment that was left by myself. I just want to say that it was an incredible coincidence. Last weekend, I had heard about the Ben about Chris Benoit no showing vengeance because of a family emergency, and I had heard rumors about why that was. I was reading rumors and speculation about the matter online, and one of them included that his wife may have passed away. And I did the wrong thing by posting it on Wikipedia, despite there being no evidence. I posted my speculation on the situation at the time, and I am deeply sorry about this. I was just as shocked as everyone else when I heard that this actually would happen in real life. It was one of those things that just turned into a huge coincidence. That night I found out that night I found out that what I posted ended up actually happening, a one in ten thousand chance of happening, or so I thought. I was beyond wrong for posting wrongful information, and I'm sorry for everyone for this. I just want everyone to know that it was stupid of me, and I'll never do anything like this again. Stupid idiot. <laughs> I just posted something that was, at that time, a piece of wrong, unsourced information that is typical on Wikipedia, as is done all the time. Now, uh, let me, uh, Irvin Muchnick, um, the author of the book that we've taken a couple uh, excerpts here from, uh, he kind of goes in here on this poor Wikipedia uh, guy. Uh, cause he, cause he dug up some uh, several other Wikipedia alterations that he has made, and uh, decides to air them out for everybody to see. Uh, some of those dating back to May sixteenth of two thousand seven. Uh, the wiki page for the city of Naga, Naugatuck, Connecticut. Okay. He replaced the name of the town's mayor and other officials with those of three friends. 
reporter Springs Research on the social networking sites of MySpace and Facebook revealed that they're all part of a circle of students at the University of Connecticut. Uh, furthermore, uh, he had been warned in the past for vandalizing content and for posting pranks displaying a range of immature behavior. On the page of Stacey Keebler, an actress uh-huh. and former wrestling personality, he wrote, uh, People want to fuck her and her lovely ass and whip her ass till the dawn of day. <laughs> many, many people oh. fantasize about ramming their cocks up her ass. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's this guy's fault that whenever <laughs> I would try and show a teacher, hey, I found this info on Wikipedia but I can also scroll down and show you the source that they looked at me, wagged their finger and said, nothing on Wikipedia is real. Yeah, he's, he is, yeah, he is kind of the, the reason. Because, uh, I mean, I, I want to put that out there before we continue. I'm sure there's people that that's, like hate Wikipedia. Yes, anyone can edit it. But like Anthony mentioned, they have people watching, and then if the you know, they put something outlandish, it typically gets taken down. And a lot of the info on Wikipedia, you can go to the end of a sentence or the end of a paragraph, and it'll have these little numbers at the top. If you click the number or you scroll to the bottom of the page and find that number, it'll show where that came from. That's called sourcing or a citation. It is. Can you tell that, uh, Logan had many arguments with uh, college professors over the years and high school teachers. No, college, not college professors. Oh, yeah. They're high pretty school chill. Teacher, high school teachers and a, a, a former roommate, but that's besides the point. Beside the point. Uh, on the page of Ron Artest. Oh, no. Called the basketball player a piece of shit N-word. Oh, jeez. I just want to this point out... Even, this guy wasn't even from Detroit! No. I... Uh, I want to point out that uh, Irvin, uh, who's uh, put this together, has censored every word except the N-word on this page. No! <laughs> just want to throw that out there. Uh, Irvin Muchnick, I don't want to make no assumptions about him, um, but if he's censoring uh, fuck, ass... Shit! And shit... That uh, and the N word is not censored. Like he just has it just written here. Uh, whatever. Yeah, that's um. I, I want to go back to my Detroit comic because I realize it's years later and people don't re- uh, probably don't remember it. There's this thing called Malice at the Palace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ron Ron Artest. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty big fight. Fans were involved. So uh, that's that's why I said Detroit. He beat up the wrong and, guy. If this guy from yeah. Stanford just hates him for some reason. And then, um, in response to what you said about not blurring that word out, which I'm sure we'll have, I mean, the people listening, they'll be like, oh, is it really that bad? Um, I saw something the other day where, I don't know if it was a comedian or what, but it was on social media, and they said that they couldn't say the word midget because midget's as bad as the N-word. And his response is, it certainly is not, because here we are saying midget, but we won't say the N-word. 
I think that's a I think that's a good way to put it. If you're if you're that uncomfortable saying it, they have to come up with something like that. Or like how some people won't say like dick and balls. They'll say like a bird <laughs> or, you know, eggs and a sausage. Like Yeah. Then it's bad. I don't know. It's just There there's there's more. There's more uh, to this guy. Oh jeez. Um he would also go on to reply. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why we're dedicating so much time to this random, like college kid from 2007, editing <laughs> Wikipedia pages. But whatever he went to college for, like that career is ruined because of this. I don't know if his name ever came out. Good. I mean, not not good. Like I'm not saying he should have a perfect life, but I mean, this would be a shitty thing to have to come back from. Like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Imagine at like a reunion. But you got a good career yet. I'm the guy that said Chris Benoit killed his wife. Well, he did, didn't he? I did it before it turned out he did it. Then this guy from uh, New York uh, dug up all the other edits I made when I was being racist. I think the only edit I've ever made on Wikipedia was with my friend Barry. And we changed... Al Sigler's brother, which is like Ryan Namath, yeah. he changed his name to Mr. Spooky Mark Calloway. <laughs> How long was that up for? <laughs> uh, it was like a good 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I, I, should, I, should, I should go try to change something on uh, like my hometown's like page. Because like, who, who, how many people are visiting that, you know? To, to right. I'm, yeah, that's what I wonder too, because Wikipedia... Like, doesn't make a profit, because they always want you to donate. So, I mean, who who's sitting at home in front of a computer, and it's... You know, they're sitting there, all right, let's make sure nobody messed with the Chris Benoit one. Scrolls through. He didn't kill his wife! That's wrong! No, not real. And then that poor same person, probably sitting watching the news. Oh, he did kill his wife. Oh, no. Uh... I should probably call the cops. <laughs> Uh, he would go on to replace the wiki wiki page of information about the African wild ass. Ah, jeez. Uh, with one word. Piss. Oh. <laughs> Why? I don't even know. He, he said was... the African wild ass. Yeah. I'm glad it went that route because I was thinking he was gonna put like a celebrity's name or something. Is that was that like an animal? I I don't want to Google it. I'm doing it. All right. Yeah, it's a it's a donkey. Oh, I make okay. That makes sense. You know, an, an ass is a donkey. There Look was we're teaching you guys. There was one out of character Wikipedia edit on the page of Chavo Guerrero. Oh God. On the evening of June 15th, 2007, okay. someone else had inserted... Oh, oh no. This is, this is going to make you crack up. Before starting his wrestling career, Chava was addicted to crack and was a rapist. <laughs> One day, when Chava was doing crack, he thought he saw a little white kid. But it was oh, actually... no! They went into detail. They just didn't leave it in. He didn't crack 
Gobbles doing crack. He saw a little white kid, but it was actually his son, and he sexually oh. abused him until his, <laughs> <laughs> until his penis fell off. What the hell? <laughs> Yeah, you're damn right that's out of character. <laughs> On this day 4th, he will no longer rape his kid, but he still rapes people, even though he has no penis. <laughs> so watch out for him, even adults. <laughs> and this is posted by the same guy? <laughs> Oh, the the whole point of someone this was this. someone else did it, but oh, the, that one God. guy went on there and deleted it. Oh, good. That's supposed to be his like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Oh, Coup de gras. Yeah. <laughs> what a what a, what a tale. I'm sorry, Chavo. You did not deserve that. Yeah, no. <laughs> I know I said that you were a little off, but I don't think you were that off. No. Oh. Okay. That's a that's enough of the uh, conspiracy theory, I guess. <sighs> we will never know why this happened, or what happened that night in their home that would lead Chris to do this. The people that would know are dead. And we're only left to make assumptions. Was it Roid Rage? Is Roid Rage even real? Uh, Roid Rage is a term coined by the lawyers of bodybuilder Gordon Kimbrough, who murdered his girlfriend in 1993. Ah. The Roid Rage defense, surprisingly, uh, did not hold up in court, and he was convicted. Uh, there have been studies to show an association between testosterone levels and aggression. But it's hard to measure in a controlled environment since these are cases of people misusing a drug dangerously. And, and I mean, your note there, it's dangerously. Because a lot of people, well, not a lot, people take testosterone supplements or they'll have patches, mm-hmm. and it greatly improves them. Yeah. Like, not having enough testosterone will make you irritable, will make you depressed, will make you lethargic. So if you get that right amount in you, like, if you put patches on, you kind of feel like second least on life. Yeah. So it's, so it's, it's one of those things where, again, this could have had an influence on it, but I don't necessarily think in wrestling, steroids are bad. I think overusing them is where it gets bad. Because then you'll get some people, I forget who it was, but when like Batista and Booker and all of them got busted for steroids, one of them was using it because they were coming back from an injury. Uh, because it was in, but because it was in their Batista, system. Batista, wasn't it? I think. But because it was, in their, it was in their system, they still got in trouble. It's one of those things, I mean, it's an odd comparison, but I compare like steroids to marijuana. Like, if you're, I mean, you'll hear a lot of people using it correctly, but then when it's overusing, when it's overused and then that one bad thing happens, yeah. or, you know, some, someone murdered someone and they had marijuana in their system, obviously the marijuana didn't do it, 
but you it, people try to find a reason. Yeah, and try to politicize it. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, you obviously, and wrestling's a whole different ball game. Because, I mean, I, we all know it's fake. All right, we don't need to pretend. It's not a what? real sport. So doing steroids, you're not really impacting anything. Like, it's not like Hulk Hogan went out there in the 80s and because he did steroids, he was winning his matches. Or I don't think steroids... It's not a competition. Yeah, I don't think steroids played into how good he did a leg drop, all right? I don't think steroids played into how well Ultimate Warrior could run down to the ring. It made him look larger than life. I I want my wrestlers taking steroids. It should be a requirement. Let's shoot up Ricochet with fucking... It's like I said, if you use it correctly it's not that sylvester stallone for years used homegirl or hdh in movies to make himself look bigger to give himself more definition because he's kind of a smaller guy mm-hmm. it's just it's one of those things obviously don't know reuse it like you know benoit did to where his body was deteriorating like triple h obviously did to where his heart's giving out right. i think steroids playing to hogan's back I mean, between the steroids and him doing a leg drop every night for fucking 10 years. (laughs) Like, if you use it properly, if you want to just give yourself a little little bit of a boost, don't do it like Eddie Guerrero, where three months after hitting it hard, people are looking at you and they're like, damn, you've aged 20 years. Like, I think that's where the issue comes. And again, another comparison with steroids marijuana not bad but then when people are told they can't have it they find ways to get it and then they overdo it that's why um there's like these countries now i think like the nordic states are doing it um there's like places you can go yeah like, and, and those not marijuana marijuana is legal most uh um, countries I, now was it was it i want to find this out before i say the wrong thing um Um, uh, one of the one of them, like you said, I remember getting the notification of it. They made certain drugs that are illegal everywhere legal there because yeah. then people aren't going to try them. Well, they'll they'll still do it, but they're not going to go out of their way to load up on it, and you know smoke everything or inject everything that they can so that way if they get busted with it it's right. not as bad like i don't know it's just <laughs> crazy no we know people are going there to like inject testosterone but it's the same thing like yeah if it's controlled yeah uh, i don't think people are you're not gonna go out and I tr- murder your wife and family because you yeah you have I think a there's prescription a-, a real prescription not one from dr phil aston yeah, I think uh, there's your... only a couple of drugs, and it's, you know, like your crack or your heroin that obviously shouldn't be done. But a lot of things, I mean, even look at alcohol in the 20s and 30s. They banned it, so people made their own, and they died because they made their own. And they did too much. That's just how humans are, you know? Hey, don't touch the hot stove. 
planet, Jimmy. Why'd you touch the hot stove? Who you told me not to? Hey, don't eat that cake. It's for your sister's birthday. Hey, Jimmy, where's the cake? I ate it. Why? I <laughs> uh, told me not to. Like, and everyone does it. Like, if someone's listening right now and they're like, that's stupid, I wouldn't do it. You've done it. Whether it's a sibling telling you, hey, don't touch this. Or don't put this on. Don't eat this. Hey, don't follow me around at school. You're going to do it because you're told no. Just It's just how humans are. They don't like being told no. A paper published in 2010 in the journal Hormones and Behavior Reports uh, that there have been several instances of aggressive and violent behavior linked to anabolic uh, androgenic steroid AAS use. Okay. We just, researchers say that many of these reports involve men who had no prior history of violence. Uh, these are people that are abusing it. Yeah. A typical male may naturally produce up to 75 milligrams of testosterone per week. Athletes okay. who misuse AAS to enhance muscle mass or improve performance have been reported to take doses up to 5,000 milligrams per week. I've always found it ironic with steroids, too, that it's supposed to make you feel like more of a man, right? But then if you take too much of it, you know, certain parts shrivel up or shrink up, and so then you're less of a man. Right. It's just always it's just always been ironic to me. Like, I'm going to become this big buff man, but I'm going to have a teeny tiny dick. The quote that I always remember is from the movie Benchwarmers, you know? What's steroids? Steroids makes your pee-pee smaller. <laughs> yeah. In Chris's case, uh, we know he was abusing the drug as he was over 10 times the normal amount. Oh, God. And exceeded normal dosages for a hor- and exceeded normal dosages for a hormone disorder. That's that's how he got his original prescription from Phil Asin. He had a hor- quote, hormone disorder. Uh, so Dr. Phil was like, you know what? I'll write you a prescription for 10 times the amount uh, of testosterone. So what this research you've done on it is hormone disorder to steroids, kind of like glaucoma was to marijuana. <clears throat> Where, like, you know, if you wanted to get your card or you wanted to get the... Oh, I've got glaucoma. Oh, okay, buddy. Here's your prescription. Uh, so then it's... Oh, I've got a hormone disorder. Oh, okay, buddy. Kind of, but it's kind of, but like a lot worse. It's um, because like if you do that, okay, you're just giving somebody a, a like a medical marijuana card, right? That you can get like, I don't know, I know it's like you can't even get that much on a medical card, um, but this is like a crook doctor. He's probably getting paid on the side too to write these prescriptions. Uh, but there, because there is actual people out there who do suffer from hormone disorder, yeah. like people who like don't produce enough testosterone naturally. Uh, that actually could that take this every day uh, to live like a normal life. But Chris is it's kind of like a mixed thing. He abused it for so long that he needs it <laughs> to right. actually produce it now. His body became addicted. Yeah. And, and then I, I guess the other question, because I never really hear about this because they're like pro wrestlers and athletes using it. Or like, 
storage expensive? Like the um, only thing that I could compare it to, I mean, I'm a diabetic. Bile insulin's like five, six hundred bucks. Um, like, would it be cheaper for me? Okay, just do I, steroids. That's from 1996. In 1996, a month supply of prescriptions for a normal person who's just taking a normal amount was 30 to $170. Wow. But that was in 1996, though. That's, so, I mean, that's got to be kind of pricey because, I mean, insulin really didn't shoot up in price until 2000s. Um, according to GoodRx.com, okay. they have a antibiotic steroid here uh, for $331. Wow. So not oh, so that I, not that much for a for somebody of uh, stature to pay for yeah. it a month, especially <clears> if it's using it to make money. Right, he probably is justifying for himself. Uh, uh, but his and, drug. And it's, ab- I was say it's, it's just crazy. I mean, for those that don't know, that this wasn't like the first big time steroids were busted in wrestling. Oh no, nineteen ninety four, right? Yeah, maybe um, before that. That was the trial. It was a couple years before that where the yes, bust the, happened. The the story goes: Superstar Billy Graham was upset because his body was deteriorating. He felt anger. He felt just he was furious toward the company because he gave everything to the company, and every time he tried to come back, he just couldn't do it. So then he said Vince made him take steroids. Which, Vince McMahon does recommend you get bigger. But Billy Graham had been on steroids long before he went to the WWF. He was trying to work out. He worked out with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And if you know anything about Arnold, also. Yeah, the steroid trials happened. And, I mean, is that the one where Hogan took the stands? Um, he, it's a, it's a whole thing. Hogan didn't go to, um, the first, like, trial, uh, of George Zahorian. I think that, yeah, he didn't go to that trial. Um, he somehow got out of it, which is like, apparently like lawyers and other people are like, we don't know how that was possible. Like somebody that's like. It, like in the records of like being sold steroids by this doctor oh. doesn't get called the trial um yeah, but he was he, reason... he did go try go and uh give a testimony uh when vince was on trial the reason he didn't i remember this from the dark side of the ring because this is one of the few things i said it before i think dark side of the ring stretches the truth and like will take interviews and cut them how they want but hogan i guess went i don't it might have been arsenio hall and yeah. admitted to doing steroids, but like once or twice. Oh, I was injured, brother, and uh. Yeah, so he admitted to doing it, but he clarified. So it would kind of um. I don't think of a good comparison, but it, so it let him off scot free, essentially. And then that's when you can tell if you go back and you watch Hulk Hogan of the eighties, and then you watch Hogan from ninety one, ninety four. He has lost a lot of mass. Like when he comes yeah. out for NWO, 
when they at bash the beach he does not have the muscles that he usually does it's not until this is kind of blown over 97 he's back to his normal size yeah we uh, i i talked about a lot on uh the wind the windley mania episode i was on on their podcast mm-hmm. uh because uh mr nanny came out around that time um he was still kind he was still pretty big but he can tell that it's not yeah, he leaned it's not 80 1985 hogan no uh main event wrestlemania and, brother it's uh, and on that note too i don't think he always did steroids because if you look at him you know even wrestlemania one a little bit before that awa when hulkamania started he didn't have muscle definition he just looked like someone that worked out it wasn't until Hulkamania really took off that when he'd flex, you know, his muscles would have muscles. He'd have them 24-inch pythons. Oh, kind of like yeah, Scott brother. Steiner. When Scott Steiner debuted, he was just a big freak. And then around the time he I'm became the big freak. bag booty daddy, normal. his muscles had muscles. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can tell when someone's on the juice. People, people act like it's crazy to say that. But, I mean, I've said it. Guerrero looked like he aged, and it looked like, it looked like he ate himself. Um, Hogan did it. Steiner did it. You can look at Davy Boy Smith when he just started as the British Bulldog, and then when he became Davy Boy, muscles and muscles. Um, Lex Luger when he first started, to when he was at his peak in mid nineties. It, it's clear when someone abuses him. Um, and then there's some, and it makes you wonder. Like I wondered for a while. I'm going to say, I, I, I thought, this isn't a fact, I thought at one point Rey Mysterio might have done them. Hmm. Because he he went from being a cruiserweight. He I mean, he was still. He, yeah. And then when he got out of the main event scene, that's kind of when he put his belly on and he started wearing the tank top, you know? It's it just little things like that. And, and you wonder. And I mean. Shawn Michaels is a big one. Get him from the Rockers to when he got to the main event. Again, muscles have muscles. And then when he came back in 2002, he wasn't nearly as big. He just looked like someone who worked out. He looked like a 40-something-year-old <laughs> hitting the gym. Right. And I just find it crazy. I mean, again, this is a legend. This is my opinion. When he came back for Crown Jewel... I think he juiced a little because he looked in wrestling shape Yeah. after, and, and it's not like they knew they were doing this. This match was announced like a month before. Something like that. Yeah. So it's not like, it's not like it's with Goldberg where he had, you know, six months to train. I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting to be able to look and, and you can tell when someone actually works out versus when they just shoot up. What? Who said that? Uh, yeah. There's somebody else. Back knee. At least uh. Right. Right back. Hey, I don't, I don't want. Well, right back's already blocked us and everything, you know. But I don't want. I don't yeah. want him coming after. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that like clearly. I know this is going on a tangent, but just to give like the people listening an idea. Oh. None that I could. I, I pretty much listed all of them that come to my mind. I mean, obviously, Warrior did it. There's, there's no. I, look I, at him. From I, I talk in. I try to think of like current people. 
current wrestlers? Current or someone that like you can easily think and be like, oh, he obviously did it. John Cena. Oh yeah. It's not superhuman powers that he can come back from injury in six months. That's supposed right. to be. Out, that's what he's supposed to be out fifteen. Uh, Sam, but whatever. And I mean, and he's one though. Which on the flip side, didn't really. He doesn't abuse them. No, now, those people we really mentioned abuse them, with the exception of a few. Um, like Ginger Mahal doesn't abuse them. He like he he hasn't aged. Yeah, Hogan. Hogan really didn't. Um, like I said, it, it Sturridge is one of those things you're alluding to with Benoit that you know roid rage wasn't all of it. Steroids isn't all of why Hogan's body's deteriorating. Like I said, just r- run and drop a leg drop and <laughs> feel the pain, and then imagine doing that every night for about ten years, and then every or twice a week for about ten years. And probably about once a week for another five six. Like your, your back's done. Anyway, let's get uh let's get focused here. We're we're not shooting on uh, Hulk Hogan, unfortunately. Maybe some Why, other time. I maybe some shooting other. on the guy. I was trying to defend him. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should. I think we. I think our next uh, big podcast. Uh, series here so we could do like the steroid trial i think that'd be really interesting i think that's, that's another fun. thing that not a lot of people know too many details about uh, yeah. because it's hidden behind like court records and they don't want to read them i mean yeah there's a lot especially i mean they had a suitor lined up to be the new owner of the company yeah it was a, it was a whole thing but, uh, but in chris's case uh i'll just read i'll just recontextualize this paragraph uh, Chris's case, we knew he was abusing the drug as he had over 10 times the normal amount and exceeded normal dosages for a hormone disorder. Uh, the drug abuse including, included painkillers along with alcohol and his combination of headache powder, Red Bulls, and Yellow Jackets <laughs> that he got from the gas stations. This guy was a fucking ticking time bomb, and his multiple concussions and CTE diagnosis didn't help him either. CTE, or Chronic Traumatic Encrephalopathy, that sounds like a word, uh, is a progressive brain condition that's thought to be caused by repeated blows to the head and repeated episodes of concussion. Benoit suffered from CTE due to the repeated chair shots he took to the head, diving headbutts, and the typical concussions wrestlers would get all all the time performing, which would lead to an unstable mental state. Former WWE wrestler Chris Nowinski, co-founder and CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and, and co-founder of the Boston University CTE Center, say that Chris was one of the only guys who would take a share shot to the back of the head, which is stupid. Mm-hmm. Tests conducted on Benoit's brain by Julian Bales, the head of neurosurgery at, the West, at West Virginia University, showed that Benoit's brain was so severely damaged it resembled the brain of an 85-year-old Alzheimer's patient. Other tests conducted damage to all four lobes of the brain and brainstem. Bales and his colleagues concluded that repeated concussions can lead to dementia, which can also contribute to severe behavioral problems. 
And we are joined now by Chris Benoit's father, Mike, and Dr. Julian Bales from the Sports Legacy Institute. And thank you both for coming in. Mr. Benoit, I know that you said this quest began for you because the darkness is simply so deep. The sadness. It is. Um, it was a tragic event. We not only lost our son, but our grandson. Also, Nancy. It is an extraordinary thing to decide that you will then take part of your son's brain and you will try to have it analyzed to see if science has answers. Is it what, just the hope that someone else will recognize dangers ahead? Is, is that how you came to this choice, this decision? Well, first we needed an understanding because the person that did this is not the, the man we know and love. He was a, a loving father, loved his wife, loved his children. We had no understanding of how this could have happened. So it was important for us to investigate to see if there was a possibility that there was something that went terribly wrong with him. Well, as Bob Woodruff told us in the last half hour, Dr. Bales, you think you have possibly some answers. I know nothing is definitive, but you think there's something that everybody at home should see, and it's, it's concussions. It has to do with concussions and the effect on the brain. Now, I wanted you to show everybody what you found when you took the brain tissue and you started to analyze it. Good morning, I will. Uh, we were very fortunate to have uh, the work of Ben and Amalo, Chris Nowinski, really lead to this request. And this is a healthy brain on the left, and you see a a very smooth background here. You see normal brain cells and no abnormal staining at all. Very, very consistent. Here we see a very small section of Chris's brain and you see these brown areas here against a very, very striking uh, brown background here. And all of this area is staining for damaged brain cells. These are, are dead brain cells in their connection. And how much of this did you find? It was uh, uh, extensive throughout Chris's brain. It was striking and maybe shocking in, in the extent. Another, another uh, example that you have, another contrast you have, is the brain of an Alzheimer's patient. You have said that this mimics some of the things you see in Alzheimer's patients, even in this young man. Well, well it does exactly. And here, here you see an Alzheimer's patient Again, uh, a very uh, striking uptake of the brown dye. And this is a dye that you need to, to tell this protein, which indicates the previous damage. On the left, again, Chris's brain showing these ghosts of old neurons and their connections that you see here and here. So very abnormal, something you should never see in a 40-year-old. So let's get to the bottom line here. Are you saying this morning that you think that concussions, which caused the kind of damage you've seen here in the brain, led to what Chris Benoit did? Well, we don't know for sure, certainly, but we think we have great anatomical damage here from previous trauma. We think that's the leading cause. And whether it had a psychiatric or a behavioral expression, we certainly think that's most likely. But I have to ask you both about the steroids, because we did read in the toxicology report that there was evidence of steroid use. Why would this be the contributing factor and not that? We know about steroid rage. Well, we think that, that these changes are not due to steroids. Uh, that has never really been studied, but it's never been in the medical literature 
or any research that showed that steroids does this to the brain. In fact, these were discovered in the 1920s before steroids were even invented. Now, I know you know of Chris Nowinski. Um, yeah. He has the Concuss- Concussion Legacy Foundation, and you may have heard that uh, a bunch of like NFL uh, and like other contact sport like uh, athletes are going to donate their brains when they die to Chris. Um, but you know, you don't you don't see a lot of wrestlers on that list. No. You know, you want to know why? Uh, Chris Nowinski, you know, they formed a board uh, with, like, you know, other executives in the field. Mm-hmm. And guess who is a member? None other than Paul Triple H Levesque. Oh. He's a, he's, he's a board member. Um, so, and there's a recurring donation made uh, to the Concussion Legacy Foundation. Uh, they said there's no correlation there, but I just want to throw that out there. Um, Interesting, and so I'm kind of excited to talk about this. So, you mentioned that his brain was compared to someone who would be how old? Uh, eighty-five. Okay, so an eighty-five-year-old dementia patient. That would that would be comparable to a say an eighty-two-year-old with Alzheimer's, right? So, every everyone, uh, the the Chris Benoit thing always has baffled me because, God forbid, it be everything that causes him to do it, like the anger, the steroids, the CTE, um, spousal fighting, like God forbid, it's everything. And a lot of people try to point to just the CTE and the brain, which I mean, played a large role. But we've talked about it before, you know. 85-year-olds don't go around killing. Now, interestingly enough, in... Oh, about when was this? There's no way it was then. Ah, yes. 2015. Here's the title of the article from Fox News. Wrestling legend accused of body-slamming nursing home roommate to death. Damn. Um, this wasn't just any wrestler, by the way. This is AWA founder and nighttime world champion Vern Gagne. Former, you know, NCAA wrestler. Gonna go into the Olympics. Was an NWA junior champion. Um, so, Gagne picked the husband up and threw him to the ground. They had a scuffle before, and when her husband began shouting at other residents, Ganya put a chokehold on him. At that point, the gentleman wasn't hurt in the accident. But, the gentleman's widow is not blaming Ganya, saying that he doesn't know what he was doing. And, um... She said most Alzheimer's victims are old and frail, and when they lash out, they don't usually cause much harm. The difference with Ganya is he was a professional athlete and was trained to do certain moves. That's what makes him much more dangerous than the ordinary person with dementia. 
So it's just interesting to me that the two cases <laughs> of a 80-ish year old man's brain murdering someone, killing someone, are both wrestlers. Now, granted, Chris wrestling caused Chris Benoit's CTE. Vern Gagne was just an old man. Um, but I do. I just always find that interesting. Like we've said, eighty-year-olds don't around killing. No. But the two that did. Not <laughs> the wrestlers. There's a definitely a correlation there. And I mean, and it's interesting because Vern Gagne came from an era where body slamming was like the big move. And obviously, you know, a rear naked choke. And it seems Benoit might have used a cross face on Daniel. That's what the uh, the police report uh, said. So... Or, not the police report, um... Like the corner or something, just like based on like the bruising he had, um, so it's just, that they could make the assumption that something similar just, to the crippler cross face was used. It's interesting because they always say you know people get older, um, they start reminiscing about the old days. You know they swear more because they don't have that filter. It's almost like. And it, it could just be these two. It could be situational. But their minds just reverted them back to a match. Like they got angry because Vern obviously got angry at this guy. Chris seemed to have got angry. Nancy and Daniel. Mm-hmm. And their mind like reverted to pro wrestling. <sighs> It's. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. It's just uh, it's just, it's just so hard to like fathom that, like get into like that mind state. Yeah. Like. Like where you look at your son or you look at your roommate and they're not them anymore. Yeah. Like you, it kind of like almost kind of sounds like uh. Like military, like service members suffering from like yeah. PTSD, and they're like seeing people like in their house and are outside, and they freak out. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, as we as we uh, we wrap this up, I just want I after hearing all of this, I just hope that those of you that are in every WWE comment section. On social media and YouTube, uh, that post Benoit for Hall of Fame uh, to to stop saying that we should separate his personal life from his professional work because you liked watching him fake wrestle is like saying, well, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer did murder seventeen people, but he was just he was a great soldier and we, we should respect him for his military service. Uh, it's asinine. We all wish uh, this could have been avoided. Uh, 
we want our heroes uh, to be heroes, mm-hmm. but he is a human, and we have to deal with the consequences of his actions. Well, and, and in regards to that, like if, if if people can't tell with like the prelude of me talking here, I I, I enjoyed him as a wrestler. He was one of the few for horsemen after the initial four that actually represented what it meant to be a horseman. But I mean, yeah, I, I know he's never going to go in the hall. He's not going to go in any hall. I don't know how, and I've said this before, I don't know how you could separate the man from the wrestler when they have the same name. Right. Um, and it, it's just funny to me to tie it into now Sonny was just involved in that car accident yep. killed a person and people want her removed from the WWE Hall of Fame but these same people want Benoit in it Hogan dropped the N-bomb not good not good by any means but they wanted him out of the Hall of Fame but some of these same people want Benoit in it yeah and, again, and Donald Trump not a great guy not a good president. But he didn't kill his family. <laughs> so why should he have his Hall of Fame for, like you said, fake wrestling removed? Uh, Jimmy Snooker, I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy Snooker, when it turned out, he actually killed the woman. And they're like, oh, take him out of the Hall of Fame. Just Again, man helps same, him cover it up. Yeah, and the same people. <laughs> oh, Chris should go in. Why? Like, what is the difference? What about the Benoit case makes it okay for him to go in the hall? Because these people have these people are stupid. Just full stop. I mean, they have and, limited and, and, mental functionality. Uh, and, and the reason I brought Snooka up is because obviously Donald Trump's a shitty person. It's cool to hate on Hulk Hogan now. It's cool to hate on Sonny. Jimmy Snook is still a lot of people's favorites. He probably influenced as many people as Benoit did. Like, if you look at the cage dive, and all the people that got into wrestling because of that, and you look at how Benoit wrestled, how many people got into wrestling because of that. But more people would still rather have Benoit in the Hall of Fame and, and Snooka. It's just, it's baffling. And and I and I'm sure a lot of people it's tee hee 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 hee. Tee hee killed his family, tee hee. Trolling, yeah. But there's some people that actually believe it. Well I know. I like I've I've run into a couple of them uh get wrestling shows and stuff like that. Well and then they, they totally glorify the guy. It's dumb. It's like what, it's I, it's I almost as crazy. It's like the wrestling version of um, who's that one guy that killed all those girls in like the West? That's like super hot, and all the girls love him. You know what I'm talking about? West. They got West, like in Colorado. Zach Efron played him in a Netflix movie. Oh, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. Yeah. I was thinking more like Charles Manson, but yeah, Ted Bundy's a good one too. Yeah, people glorify it- him. And, and then it's just funny, as weird. speaking from a sports perspective, Pete Rose got 
kicked out of the Hall of Fame for betting about a sport. People still don't want him in, even though yeah, most betting is legal now. Yeah. The same people want better on the WWE Hall of Fame. OJ Simpson. Allegedly, I'm going to just say it with that, killed Nicole Brown Simpson. If the glove don't fit, you must. Yeah, they, they want him removed from the Hall of Fame. And Rod actually did it. Not saying OJ did or didn't. Not gonna, not gonna, not gonna have that fight. But Benoit actually did it. <clears throat> you know what that was? Me being allergic to bullshit. Damn. Like it just, it, it baffles me. Like why is Benoit the only one that can escape history? Because he was a good fake wrestler, Logan. Oh, well, he well, did a good, he did, he did a good German suplex. Well, and, and I hate it because then it'll be little things like, oh man, Undertaker swore to Trump. Don't put him in the Hall of Fame. Ooh, Ben Wildly killed his family. Yeah, let him again. He was good. Ooh. Did you know Shawn Michaels was mean to a couple people in the ring and behind the scenes? Don't put him in the Hall of Fame. Nah, Ben Wild just killed his family. It's okay. It's okay. Like, I just, I just don't understand like I get it you can you didn't like his matches it's fine you know the Royal Rumble where he won is very cool it's probably one of the better ones where someone started out as number one and won it right I thought the edge one was kind of dumb I hate the Shawn Michaels skin in the cat thing uh, Ben Law was constantly involved in the match like he didn't sit in a corner it's fine you can like that <clears throat> You can like the triple threat. Just, just stop. Just remember what he did. Yeah. He, he was probably the main reason I started drifting away uh, from wrestling in the months following. Um, I just, I couldn't watch a show go on like nothing happened after one of his biggest stars and a, a favorite uh, was a murderer. I know a lot of fans did too. Um, it wasn't until 2011 uh, for me to come back fully, and it still doesn't feel right to see him on WWE Network. Like if I'm watching like an old show from the pop up or on Peacock, or whatever. Like, <clears throat> I, I'm fine with him being on a show because he was there. Right. But I think I mentioned it in the prelude of the first one. His his pictures in the WWE Encyclopedia. Like, it's not a small picture. The size of a one. Yep. Or, I mean, you go to these conventions where people have wrestling figures, and they're like, got this Chris Benoit one. And it's like, oh, okay. 90 bucks. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. $90. Like, are you really trying to make money off this guy who killed... His wife and kid. And then my favorite part of all. Out of the ring. New Jack calls him a bitch. <laughs> because he put a towel around his neck in case he survived. He didn't want people to know he tried to kill himself. Damn. I love New Jack. Yeah. Again, New Jack. 
Ooh. He almost killed a guy. Don't talk about him. Well, Benoit actually did kill someone. <clears throat> like, remember, just remember that the next time you're like, man, put him in the Hall of Fame. Oh. If you want to use him on an old wrestling game, fine. You know, if you have a special attachment to something of his, fine. But don't go around and act like that didn't happen. I... I, I think uh, one of his tights, they sold on eBay like right after. Why? That was weird. But uh, that's blood money. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I just want to wrap this up by saying, uh, just rest in peace to Nancy Woman Benoit and Daniel Benoit, uh, whose lives and career got overlooked because of this. Yeah. And, uh, I'd be I'd be all for putting women in the W Hall of Fame. Yeah, but again, like we said, how are you gonna do that? Right. Like, how are you? Because they give you the live mic. You know, her sister or David or whoever inducts her. Is it not gonna mention her real name? Right. Uh, you can't put her in legacy because then you're gonna show clips, and at one at one point, Benoit's gonna come up. Like, it's just a shame. Like, he literally... He killed them. Like, there is no... They are wiped. <sighs> but again, it's, it's okay. Because, like you said, you do a German shoeplex, you do a headbutt, you do, you do crossface. You did good. You won a lot of, you won a lot of belts. Yes, he did. And, the, and like I said, I mean, but before I completely cut it, it's fine if you liked the ending of WrestleMania 20. Like, I don't expect you to go back in time and be like, ooh, you shouldn't like this. Do you know what he's going to do later? <laughs> nah. But just, there's no spot in a Hall of Fame for him. Hey, anywhere. There never will be. A lot of people like, oh, I'll just wait for more time to pass and I'll like, shut up. No. Like, shut up, idiot. That's not going to happen. <sighs> anyway, um, I do. I hope you found this uh, podcast series informational. Uh, and I hope you learned something about it that you didn't know before. Um, we would uh, we would like to hear from you guys. Um, we don't have a part four planned. Um, but if we get a lot of feedback, we might we could do a... Uh, was it like an epilogue? Is that the right word? We yeah. Can, we can do a fourth part, uh, just going over uh, if you guys have any questions or if you'd like to add to the conversation. Uh, we can definitely make that happen. Uh, we have a link in the description of the, of our podcast. I know it's for sure on Spotify. And I believe it's on Apple, but I don't know if it's on the Google Podcast. Like, I have never looked there. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you can send us a voice message uh, on Anchor using that link. Uh, or if you prefer, we do have an email. It's uh, prowrestlingproverbs at gmail.com. And you can send us a direct message on the social media platform of your choosing. We are at PWProverbs on Twitter and Pro Wrestling Proverbs, all one word on everything else. <clears throat> and uh, we'd like to give a huge shout out to, we've mentioned it before, uh, Urban Muchnick, 
for his book, Chris and Nancy, the true story of the Benoit murder-suicide and pro wrestling cock's tale of death. Uh, he was the one who was able to get a lot of uh, this information into the public. And while there are experts from his book on this pod, there's a lot more uh, discussed in that book that we didn't go over. Uh, most notably, it goes into detail of WWE's role in trying to cover up what they knew along this timeline. Um, it was very interesting. It kind of paints WWE in like a bad light that they kind of knew for uh, longer than they put on. And like reading that and going back to watching all the interviews that Vince does is pretty... <coughs> It's pretty telling. Uh, there's also uh, the different stories between Scott Armstrong and Chavo Guerrero that he goes into in there. That's uh, super fascinating. Uh, so make sure you pick that up off Amazon uh, if you're looking for a book to read. I highly recommend it. And uh, like I said before, we'd love to hear from you. Um, this has been uh, part one and two, and the prelude have been our most listened to episodes we've had. Uh, so we really appreciate all the support you guys have given us for this. Uh, and any, if we got something wrong that you think uh, we need to fix or I can look into it for you, and, uh, we can address it in the fourth part. We get a lot, we get a lot of responses. Uh, any, uh, any closing thoughts, Logan, before we wrap it up here? Yeah. Um, don't be stupid. He's not going to the Hall of Fame. All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, we'll go back to our regularly scheduled programming here on Pros and Proverbs uh, very soon, next week. So, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Last night on Monday Night Raw, the WWE presented a special tribute show, recognizing the career of Chris Benoit. However, now some 26 hours later, the facts of this horrific tragedy are now apparent. Therefore, other than my comments, there will be no mention of Mr. Benoit's name tonight. On the contrary, tonight's show will be dedicated to everyone who has been affected by this terrible incident. This evening marks the first step of the healing process. Tonight, WWE performers will do what they do better than anyone else in the world. Entertain you.